This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. Since day dot, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across, or tried to discover passions and stuff they're good at by having a go at hobbies. We might use them for pleasure, health, fitness, to combat loneliness, or to distract us from reality, all in the hope we can find meaning in our lives. Hobbies can be bizarre, addictive, psychologically revealing, and sometimes even beyond ridiculous. But, whatever your hobby, chances are, it's at the very least, a little bit shit. So listen in and prepare for your hobby to be exposed. I'm Sean Woodland, host of Your Hobby Is Shit. Greetings, good listeners. The kids are back at school. <laughs> Happy days indeed. So keen to bid them farewell on their first day back. Was it yesterday? I forgot to get the obligatory photo with my rude finger directed at them as they trot innocently towards the gates. Uh, a bit of a shit ep last week, episode 53, but you got to keep the loyalists happy. So I turned one out, even though I was under the pump. If I didn't do an episode, a lot of my uh, mates and acquaintances would be immediately concerned that I'd Shane warned it. And by that I don't mean gone to visit four prostitutes at a villa in Thailand, I mean died. Uh, so my apologies for the rush, rushed nature of the previous episode. There were quite a few moments of drivel, a few and ahs and that sort of shit from me. Never been an improv king and I don't think I ever will be. There'd be a lot of dead air if I was on the radio. My big sister Kel, Lou and I took the kids to the snow on the weekend. It was to be their first time in the white powder, or that kind of white powder at least. Uh, those firsts, they can be significant moments in a kid's life and I'm pretty sure my kids will remember their first visit to the snow. After pumping them up for a couple of months, uh, we arrived at Corrin Forest, which is kind of west of Canberra, to be told by the official that we couldn't enter the car park as it was all booked out. If you'd seen the sadness on my kids' faces, Jesus would have brought a tear to a glass eye, the poor kids. Uh, personally, I don't mind my kids being exposed to disappointment because if my life is anything to go by, they'll be experiencing plenty of it. Still, I got into good dad mode and said, right, well, we'll keep fucking driving until we find snow. Well, to be fair, my sister was driving. I was still a bit dusty from the night before, uh, but I didn't care if I had to drive all the way to Threadbow. As far as I was concerned, we were going to see snow. As it was, we drove another 10 minutes and spotted snow atop some distant mountains and I said there we go kids you've seen snow now. Uh, wasn't all that well received by the kids and then sadly that road came to an end soon after but at least they'd seen snow. Uh, when we were younger I always remembered Big Nuts and I driving up into the Brindabella Mountains, parking the car and sliding down snowy hills with my dopey boxer dogs chasing us. On this occasion though we'd gone a different way uh, but we decided to go back and further question the communicatively deficient imbecile at the car park, and I'm glad we did, or I'm glad the miso did. I tend to sit and stew and think about going postal in those situations. 
Uh, we returned, and it turns out this fucking idiot had been trying to say that the car park was booked out and that we were free to park across the road, and of course we could go in. Brilliant. Uh, but then he goes on to tell us that the uh, snow play and tobogganing was booked out for the day. Fuck. Uh, in we go, and it turns out that the snow player tetra was only booked out for the next couple of hours, which meant this bloke was even more of a cunt than I'd first thought when I'd looked at his stupid face. Uh, whilst we contemplated the torturous notion of sitting in a cafe for two hours, Lou went up to where the long-haired stoner snowy types were monitoring idiots like us who were playing on the snow and used her charms. So one of the blokes said, just go back and tell them at the desk uh, that you're fine to go on the snow, which we did. Uh, if you don't ask the question, the answer's no. And there was no Karen shit either from Lou, just straight up assertiveness. Good stuff. And the kids loved it. And unlike me and my sister who can't remember the first time we ever saw snow, the kids will, because for a while it looked like it mightn't happen. And it wasn't even real fucking snow. <laughs> There's still three acres there at Corrin Forest that are covered with snow and then nothing until you head higher up into the mountains where the real stuff starts. So that's where our level of entitlement currently sits. We fuck up the climate so it doesn't snow and rather than fix the climate, we go, fuck it, we'll just make snow. And then at least we can charge people to play on it. You can play in the snow in Abu Dhabi for the sake of fuck. Anyways, we got the job done. But the way Big Nuts and I used to do it all those years ago was probably a bit more fun and the kids would have loved that too. Uh, the myth of Australians being laid back people was exposed yet again as the rubbish that it is. The fellow who gave the talk about how to ride a toboggan didn't simply just say as he should have. Get up the hill as high as you can, jump on and tear down as fast as you can and try not to kill yourself. Instead, he yelled, threatened, intimidated and cajoled for a good five minutes before capping it off with a, oh yeah, and have fun. Be late for that, buddy. Doesn't matter where you go now. We're just being guided through life like idiot lemmings. All the seas comply, conform, consume. Fucking nasty. Returned to my old footy club as well over the weekend. I was recruited to be the homecoming hero. <laughs> and in lieu of any great playing ability, among a couple of minor achievements, which I'm still very proud of, I was described on social media as one of the true larrikins and characters of our football club. A nice, polite way of saying mad cunt. Uh, but it's always great fun catching up with old mates and seeing their kids who are now playing too. My mates uh, Waddler and Stixie even bestowed the honour of godparent, well, without the god part on me, 26 years ago. And I got to watch uh, my for want of a better term, Godson play, and he, he played really well too, which is for the best, as I may not have ever spoken to him again if he'd made shit. Uh, not sure if it was my pre-game speech or the fact that they're a better team than their opponents, probably the latter, uh, but my job was done. Uh, my old team won. Young Boris pointed out uh, that I swear as much when doing football speeches as I do when on stage for comedy, and if only she knew I'd been keeping a lid on it because I knew her and the young bloke were there. A uh, big shout-out to my old uh, teammate, Rebsy, who I hadn't seen in quite a while. He's a keen listener of the show, but uh, refused to tell me what he'd been up to for the past 20 years in case I took the piss out of him, as if I'd do that. Anyways, it was great to go home. Some people never have a home like the one I've had for 40 years now. The State of Origin series concluded last week. I pretty much missed it altogether this year. 
I used to love it. And as a young bloke, he even mock bowed to a state of origin player as he walked into a nightclub toilet once after we went to the only state of origin game I've ever been to, which serves as an honest reminder, whether I've said on this podcast previously what a sad sack I used to be, I wasn't fucking lying. If I saw the same bloke now, I'd probably shield my daughter from him and run. <laughs> but no shit, I used to love rugby league in my teens, 20s and even 30s. I'd never miss an origin game. I've probably mentioned this before, but we used to leave Aussie rules training early to get home in time to watch origin matches. I used to wear an origin jumper to Aussie rules training. Uh, I go for Queensland because uh, I was born in Victoria. That's my justification and I'm sticking to it. But by the time I'd hit my 40s, Origin provided an excuse provided an excuse or an opportunity to go to the pub like I need one. But if it ain't alone, I wouldn't bother switching that shit on. And the last few years, I've barely watched any rugby league at all, the occasional grand final. Uh, I'm not sure if it's because the Neanderthal part of me has perhaps subsided, whether the game became more boring, whether I just don't really like it, or whether I've become more boring. Mind you, I don't watch all that much AFL anymore either. It's still, I'd still watch a game of league, though, before a game of rugby union. One of my good mates went to the test match, the rugby union test match between Australia and England at the SCG last weekend and said it was close to the worst $150 he spent in his life. No small statement if you've seen this bloke's wardrobe. And that was from, he's a former representative rugby player. Not only was the spectacle shot, but the ARU has gone down the path that uh, many organisations with an inferior, meaningless and or boring product have and decided to assault the spectators' eardrums between plays with stadium rock anthems, giving you barely a break whatsoever. Fucking sad, that is. I did watch one half of one match in this year's uh, Rugby League State of Origin series, but I'd been on the cans with the neighbours all Arvo, and I, I can't tell you too much about it. But uh, from what I've been able to discern from the media coverage and talking to a few mates from Game 3 this year, uh, the decider, it had everything you would expect from a State of Origin match. Fights, concussions, substantial injuries, Queensland winning when it shouldn't, and former New South Wales greats sooking live on national television. A few former New South Wales players have taken umbrage recently at the claim that Queensland are more passionate about Origin. The fact it annoyed them so much probably means it was too close to the bone, meaning true. Even with a superior talent pool and greater numbers to choose from, New South Wales haven't been able to match Queensland nearly as often. Uh, In 40-odd years now, Queensland have been getting the better of them. Uh, So often the reason for Queensland's superior success rate has been pinpointed as them caring more about origin and their home state, possessing the origin spirit, winning those little moments that make such a big difference. Some New South Wales uh, Welshmen believe it's a myth that Queensland have more passion for the interstate contest in New South Wales. Uh, Why then the Maroons, with that final last-ditch play, so often have been able to steal victory from their opponents? It's beyond me then if it's not passion uh, or getting origin more. Uh, depending on which definition of the word myth you use, that's, I reckon that's probably exactly what it is. A myth can be defined as a traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining a natural or social phenomenon and typically involving supernatural beings or events. Well, that's exactly what Queensland have always been in origin. Uh, supernatural as well from the word go when Artie Beats and Job Mick Cronin way back in 1980 or whenever it was. Uh, The other definition of myth is a widely held 
but false belief or idea. That's the sort of shit that applies to your anti-vaxxers and morons who think they can cure cancer by drinking warm water every day. In the AFL, Collingwood's ability to continually clutch defeat from the jaws of victory when it counts, was it's been described as the collywobbles. Uh, some people believe that was always a myth too. Denial is a very powerful tool. Whichever way you look at it, Queensland have won 25 series to New South Wales at 16. Uh, with all the various advantages New South Wales should be shitting it in. You don't have to accept it, but some teams, clubs, countries, even states just do things better than some others do. Former New South Wales player and immortal, well, we'll see about that, Andrew Johns, when told it must have been hard for him to watch, replied, yep, it means so much. A question from Paul Vorton, Queenslander, about where things went wrong for New South Wales pushed Johns over the edge. Why will you won the big moments, he said. And went on to say, now we have to listen to all the bullshit from you Queenslanders in the next 12 months. It drives you mad. That was live on television. That bullshit Johns was referring to is not just the usual gloating that comes with every Orange Origin series victory, but the belief from Queenslanders they get Origin while well, New South Wales don't. Even days afterwards, Andrew Johns claimed to be still broken inside. I'm not sure how old Andrew Johns is, but fuck, he needs to get a grip and grow up. So too does another former New South Wales player from the 80s and 90s, Benny Elias. He said that blue stars, past and present, sleep in their jerseys because they mean so much. The only reason a grown-up should sleep in a football jumper is if he or she has vomited on his pyjamas and mistakenly grabbed one from the wardrobe in the dark. Even then, there's no reason why an adult should have a football jumper in their wardrobe. The only premiership jumper I kept, I think, is in a mouldy box in the garage. It's probably fallen apart. Actually, the only reason an adult should be asleep in a football jumper is if he or she has been knocked unconscious during a game. What on earth of great significance in your life are you overlooking if you think wearing an assortment of advertising logos to bed combined with the number of a player who might one day end up in jail for jobbing a loved one just because they had the nerve to ask him to get off the PlayStation? What are you doing? Wake up to yourself. Some hobbies are sadder than others. Uh, There's a significant number of people who are intent on keeping the memory of Lady Diana alive. Mostly women's magazines, publishers and the sad, lifeless people who read them. Yet even well-intentioned hobbies like this one have their internal bickering and controversies. I stumbled across this absolute beauty on Facebook last week. Uh, The group is called Princess Diana Keeping Her Memories Alive. No trolls allowed. That's in uppercase. Uh, You reckon (laughs) trolls reading that and going, ah, fuck, what a shame. I really could have created a bit of mischief in there, but I'm a troll, so I better give that particular group a wide berth. I'll see if I can find one that says trolls welcome. Ridiculous. Uh, Then there was more uppercase. Final warning to all members. Uh, Now, I want you to remember, (laughs) this is a Facebook group dedicated to the memory of a former member of the inbred royal family (laughs) of Britain. It reads, please, do not, in uppercase, for the love of God, uppercase again, bit shouty, announce to the group when you are going to masturbate. (laughs) This has been a recurring issue, and I'm not sure why some people have such underdeveloped social skills that they think a group 
full of mostly strangers would need to know that. No one is going to be impressed and give you a high five, especially where that hand has been. So we've deviated into a fucking little bit of humor there. I don't want to add this to the rules since it would be embarrassing for new members to see that we have a problem with this, but it is going to be enforced as a rule from now on. Like on the hardline approach. If it occurs, you will be warned. Then additional occurrences will be dealt with at the discretion of the moderators. Thanks. How fucking good is that? So many amazing layers to that. I had a quick look on Facebook and it turns out there's well over a couple of do- well, dozens of groups devoted to Lady Di. And that alone is indicative of the sad listlessness of people who continue to breathe and populate our world. I think I know why some people think that the strangers would want to know when someone is about to run it through the knuckles, and that's because it's fucking funny. You ask them to keep the memory of Lady Die alive, and that's exactly what they're doing. Sure, it's not the same as being a tragic fuck who wants to go over a life and death ad nauseum, but it's definitely keeping her memory alive. They don't want to add it to the rules, because how funny would that be? Uh, going to a Lady Die tribute site on Facebook and seeing that rule number one is you can't post when you're about to rub one out. <laughs> to be fair, that would be a little bit confusing for the type of dullard who'd be visiting that group. Trying to equate Lady Die in a five-knuckle shuffle might be a bit beyond your know, traditional monarchist, I suppose. They go on to say they will be enforcing the rule. Not with an iron fist, though, it must be said, because first you'll be warned... <laughs> And then, this is a killer, additional occurrences will be dealt with by moderators. So you still mightn't get kicked out. How fucking stupid are these people? They're so good. To be so miserable and humorless, participating in the profiting of some woman's death. Good grief. Speaking of profiting from a death, big shout out to the Irwin family, who in their undying bid to become more embarrassing than in excess since Hutchins turned up his toes, are now on television spruiking the backpacker killer Uber Eats. Uh, with another pillar of decency, Paris Hilton. Fuck me, that Irwin family creeps me out. The old man was as queer as a lemonade sandwich, but was a godlike figure to minimal thinking, aspirational Australians, the sort of people who also adore Shane Warne reality television and celebrity just for the hell of it. If you encountered a bloke like Steve Irwin anywhere other than a mental health clinic, you, you'd be fucking doing the hot sand shoe to get away from him. What a parody the Irwins are and have become. What an insipid family. To be fair, though, the Uber Eats commercials aren't half as bad as the family grieving on national television in a tent with Ray Martin a few months after the old man kicked the bucket. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'd rather watch ScoMo shit himself every day than never see that again. Buddy Franklin, probably the best AFL player to ever ever crash a car in Sydney's Rose Bay, is coming to the end of his nine-year, $10 million contract with the Sydney Swans. Uh, but he's been in the AFL for 18 seasons, kicked over a 1,000 goals, and has made fuck knows how much money from salary and then further endorsements. Yet it appears he wants more money for a final year than Sydney the Swans are prepared to offer. And with these difficult negotiations taking place, it's very important to have the very best professional representation. Now, with this in mind, Buddy's wife, Jacinta Franklin, who was Australia's Miss Universe in 2010 has and has been an ambassador for David Jones, not to mention appeared on Celebrity Apprentice Australia, has hastily entered 
the player management market as an agent after completing a no-doubt educationally taxing three-day course in a bid to provide her husband with the best management possible. Uh, no doubt he's unable to get it elsewhere from people that have been doing it for a long time. Holy shit, Yoko Ono, eat your heart out. And I thought Will Smith's miso might have been a bit controlling. Massive red flag there for Buddy. Some huge henpecking vibes going on. Get your balls out of your purse, Franklin. <laughs> One more for the golfing hobbyists. Oh, look, I, I know even though I play the game that I give you guys a hard time for your obsessive conduct. But i got my mate Waddler staying with me this week and he recently told me last night that an Aussie won the British Open on the weekend. Now, as a rule, I'm the first to admit I'd cynically expect to see some pompous-looking privileged twat making a dull acceptance speech, but I'll be fucked with this bloke. What's his name? Cameron Smith. He's got a porno mo and a mullet and expressed a desire to discover how many beers fit in the trophy that he won, the claret jug or whatever it is. So there you go. I stand corrected. Not all golfers are mind-numbingly tedious dipshits. Well, that'll do me for another week. A much better episode. I'll feel much better about that. I'll be performing at the Frisky Flamingo Sports Bar in North Wollongong with a bunch of legends tonight, this very night, Wednesday, the 20th of July, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, and Friday at Sydney's Comedy Store. Dropping in for a spot there. And uh, I got a call put in Wollongong on Saturday with, uh, it's like it's 1980, lingerie waitresses and shit. That'll be fucking great, trying to get some blokes' attention while there's women walking around with their boobs out. Uh, before I go, a quick shout out to all my listeners, of whom there are many in the United Kingdom who have been experiencing, yes, you guessed it, an unprecedented heat wave this week. If you know Brits like I do, you'd be fully aware that one of their favourite hobbies is whinging, and there'll be plenty of that going on over there, and like almost everything else whinging, your hobby is shit. Thanks for lending me your ears for another episode. All going well, I'll be back next week with current news and some harsh but fair critiques of more shit hobbies. You know where to find the podcast. Please subscribe to and share it, or don't. I'll be okay. You can find Your Hobby Is Shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback, suggestions and abuse are all greatly appreciated. And if you're, for example, the manufacturer of a great beer like, say, the Immortal Pale Ale and you're looking to sponsor an enlightening podcast, I'm open to offers. Thanks again. I'm Sean Woodland, the host, writer, producer, editor and complaints handler at Your Hobby Is Shit. Yes, I know why most of you came here, but just a quick reminder, Mad Dogs this week is about a woman who went that extra mile for love and stole a helicopter to get her dickhead boyfriend out of jail. Episode 9 of Mad Dogs. (laughs) Very nearly struck mud there.